when I was reading through the readings for today, I thought, oh my goodness me, I've got a difficult one here, <laughs> especially from Luke. But we'll see how it uh, pans out as I share some thoughts with you on this one. But change, not the loose change you've got in your pockets, but change. That word change can conjure up all sorts of connotations of thoughts in all our hearts and our minds. We, the country that we live in, we are all going through a time and a period of change. Here in this diocese, in this church, we're going through what is commonly referred to as SBGT, shared by God together, shaped by God together. Here at St. Bottles and St. James, we are hopefully moving forward in the power of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit as we are led by them through guidance in the absence of a priest in charge of our churches. For the country, in that we have a new Prime Minister. And especially as we come to this day and tomorrow, as we pay tribute to the death of our Sovereign Queen Elizabeth II. Changes. Changes that will affect us all in so many different ways, individually and corporately. In our reading today from Luke, it is in its own way, pictures us, guides us, and leads us to a time of change. But it isn't an easy picture to get over, to get our minds wrapped around. And as John Pridmore, the writer, tells us, in trying to undo its knots, scholars tie themselves into fresh knots. Commentators are bewildered by it, and those preaching on it yearn for the last hymn. Can we have the last hymn, please, Claire? <laughs> the difficulties with this parable from Jesus that it poses are certainly real enough. It is hard to say where the story stops and the moral aspect starts. Who is praising the steward or manager? Is it the master of the steward? What is certain, and that some of us may also be familiar with, is that unless the steward does something pretty quickly, he will be faced with a situation that many people have and continue to have even today, in that if he doesn't do something, he will be faced with dismissal. He will be sacked and will lose his job. The steward has found himself in a situation that is known or can be known today as crisis management. Organisations up and down the country are advised to have a plan for when something this like this happens under crisis management, especially when things go wrong, when their plans of strategy suddenly fall apart at the seams. And there are so-called highly paid consultants who are only too willing to advise us on the making of such plans and of changing and charging exorbitant fees to boot. So how has the steward, steward got himself into such a situation? Well, his master has accused him of wasting his possessions. 
I guess by that he hasn't looked after the master's estate and affairs very well. But we don't know how, what or where this has happened and taken place. The problem is the steward is now faced with being sacked from what may well have been a well-paid job. So he might well have asked of himself, hmm, how am I going to dig myself out of this one? Perhaps we might understand the difficulties of the parable in the light. If anyone had even a little of a certain commodity, he was not destitute, and therefore lending to another was not exploitation. As almost everyone had a little bit of oil or, and a little bit of wheat, the way was open for widespread use of a legal faction that we may commonly known as a loophole. Commonly, such transactions were carried out by the steward, ostensibly without the master's knowledge. Understood in this way, we see the parable in which the steward, faced with being made redundant, protected his future by covertly amending the books in such a way as to show the debtors owing a lesser amount. This, of course, would inevitably put him in a good standing with the debtors. What wouldn't? Whom he hoped would express their gratitude by taking him and possibly his family into their homes. It also put the master in a somewhat difficult position because he couldn't place any blame on the steward for fear of showing up his involvement in a shady business practice. So the master did the best thing possible in the current situation and commended his manager for his astute and forthright thinking, obtaining for himself an undeserved reputation for piety. The steward was now seen as conforming to the law of God, and the master as applauding the steward's actions. Both were seen to be actively, decisively in a difficult situation. If we were faced with a first century Jewish story that we had never seen before about a master and a steward, we would probably know at once what it was likely to be about. The master concerned would be God himself, and the steward is Israel. Israel is supposed to be God's property manager, the light of the world, responsible to God and set over all his possessions. But as we have seen in the Gospels, Israel has failed in its task and is under threat of eminent dismissal. The Pharisees, an Aramaic word meaning to separate, owing to having a different lifestyle, their answer to all of this was to make the regulations of the law even tighter, to make Israel conform and to become more holy. But this indeed had the opposite effect in that they excluded the very people that Jesus was trying to reach out to. So in the light of all that we've heard or understood or not about the parable today, how do we see it working out in our society today? In Jeremiah we read that he is deeply saddened by his own people using their privileged position as cover for their ungodly behaviour. The closer we get to God's way of thinking, the more saddened we will be by the lack of integrity we see around us. 
we are bound to start noticing people's misdirected worship and longing for a change of direction. This sadness and yearning is all part of walking in step with God who loves us and desires that sinners should turn and live. It is, as Michael Wilcox points to us in his study on Luke, that perhaps the theme of this parable is the use of the things of this world, which links verses 10 and 12 with the sayings in verse 13 and to all that has gone before. Where in verse 13 we are told that if we serve God, we cannot at the same time serve mammon, which is Aramaic for wealth and riches. On the contrary, we must make it serve us. The Bible does have a lot to say about money, but doesn't condemn it. It is how we use it, or how it is using us. In mustering the use of the things of this world, we are developing a responsible attitude that will stand us in good stead with regard to true riches, the riches of the kingdom, the things of God. Matthew 6, it tells us that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to us as well. While God is whispering to your conscience to live simply and generously, that is to live within your means, worldly riches insist that you get the latest fashion in clothes or music. While God is expecting you to commit time to prayer and Bible reading, worldly riches are knocking at your door, expecting you to commit time to reading the latest glossy magazines from off the top shelf, and to watch the latest out on uh, latest out on the movement on DVDs, the latest ads for the latest styles in footwear and clothing, and all the things that come along with worldly riches. You see, we make our relationship with money very complicated. We pursue personal wealth and it may master us, squander it for personal pleasure and we end up in loads of trouble. Remember, if you would, and cast your minds back to the story of the prodigal son, a lesson to be learnt or we perish at our own peril. But in Romans 12, Paul exhorts us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It is here that points us to a changing lifestyle. In the points that I mentioned too, right at the very beginning, that the whole of this country is in a state of change and we can't not stop it it changes our own way of life our own way of living as I said it is here that it points us to a changing lifestyle one that is honouring to God for the good of the people and we're a time of change where the church the people of God need to work together for the building up of his church. As I was finishing off yesterday, my Bible reading for yesterday pointed me in the direction of Matthew Henry, a Bible commentator, with words taught to him by his 
very godly father. And I want to finish that by words from a song. The words that uh, we quote from Matthew Henry were these. I take God, the Father, to be my God. I take God, the Son, to be my Saviour. I take God, the Holy Spirit, to be my Sanctifier. I take the Word of God to be my rule. I take the people of God to be my people. And I do hereby dedicate and yield my whole self to the Lord. And I do this deliberately, freely and forever. Words that changed Matthew Henry's life and hopefully will make us think if we're erring from the lifestyle that God wants us to follow. And the words of that song, I'm sure you will all remember or come to recall it. And this is just saying a few lines from it. The words of that song, All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Saviour, I surrender all. And that's part and parcel of our changing lifestyles. Changing from a lifestyle that is against God to a lifestyle that is honouring God in all that we say and do and feel. And changes that in this country I mentioned right at the very beginning that we will have to maybe adapt to to a certain degree and to follow through. Changes no doubt that a new prime minister will bring. Changes there may be when we come to witness the coronation of King Charles III. And changes that the church will bring. Changes that our PCs may bring as we are without an incumbent here at St. Botolph and St. James. But changes that we must be part of and adapt to and to bring glory to God in whatever that may be. See, all the opportunities of this world are tests of character. And by our behavior in small matters, we will show whether we are able or not that we are fit for larger responsibility. For all that we possess is given to us and held by us on trust. Our possessions and all our worldly wealth, they do not belong to us, but they belong to God. But by how we use it, how we use them, we show whether or not we can be trusted with real wealth, the wealth of the heavenly kingdom. Change is ahead of us. So let us ask God to help us face it, face those changes with determination, strength of character, and a love of following to the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let us take those changes on board. We may not always like some of the changes that come our way, but God will help us through the power of his Holy Spirit to overcome anything that will disturb us and that is going against his will. So let us give thanks to God for all his goodness and his love to us. Amen. Amen.